I'm Jason Comstock, and welcome to We Happy Few, the podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories. My name is Kelly Pacheco, and I am actually born and raised in Utah. I was raised two houses down from you. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, we moved We moved in the 80s, but yeah, that's where I was born and grew up for my first few years of my life. So you knew where you were coming? I knew exactly where I was coming. All right. Um, well, tell us, why did you join the Marine Corps? Well, funny story. Um, I was looking at the Air Force because I wanted to be a pilot, and when I went to go to the Air Force recruiting office, they were closed for lunch, and the Marine was kind of standing outside, fishing everybody away, and... He was like, well, we have planes. <laughs> so I talked to him for a while, and when I went home and told my mom that I was talking to a Marine recruiter, she was told me I was too small to be a Marine, and I swore in the next day. <laughs> because oh. your mom shouldn't tell you you couldn't do things. Exactly. Don't tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> and so. were you in high school or just graduated? What I was, was your... graduated for six months. Okay. And, then, and so where did, which high school? West Jordan. Okay. Um, did you know you want to go in the military, or what was it about... Well, I didn't want to go to college. I hated high school, so I just wanted to do something, and I didn't want to be stuck here, so I just decided to join the military and go about my business. (laughs) Did you have anybody in your family, anybody you knew? Not anybody personally. Um, My uncles on my dad's side and my cousins were Marines, but I wasn't really close with them growing up, so I was just kind of the only one. And so you swore in the day after you... Your mom told you not to do it. Right. (laughs) Was this a pattern in your life? Um, A little bit, yes. I was kind of, I always had to buck the system. If she said no, I did it, so. Okay. Um, And so you didn't want to go to college, didn't really know what you want to do. What was it about the military that was attractive? I'm not even sure. I don't even really remember. I wanted to fly, and then um, I didn't have the high enough ASVAB score for the math to do that. So they um, put me in like a comm center operator where it was supposed to be kind of like dispatch. And I ended up, when I went to school after boot camp, we ended up being merged and I ended up in a technology field doing computers. Okay. So so what was uh, basic like for you, or boot camp? It was weird. So I was the second crew through on the crucible, the second set of women to go through on the crucible. And um, it was interesting. Like I I remember being halfway through boot camp thinking, is this going to start? Like... This is easier than movies and easier than I was thinking. Um, I ended up with a stress fracture in my femur and in a straight leg brace, but I fought in anything that had to be done for recording or done for graduation. I pulled myself out of the brace and hobbled through it. And so I never was dropped back to a medical platoon or anything. Um, Explain what the crucible is. So the crucible is like three days of simulated war, essentially. So you, it's fatigue and team building strategies and, um, you know, uh, you don't get a lot of food for the three days. And it's just to kind of help you simulate like the stresses of war. And so where did they take you? So we, the women go to South Carolina for boot camp. So we were, um, they take you out to this remote part of Paris Island and it's like old airfields and you just go and you hike around and camp and have war simulations and you're crawling under barbed wire and and is it all women um yes so they still are segregated they're talking about merging in the marine corps um and having co-ed uh boot camp which is bizarre to me but um so yeah it's segregated you know there was a couple male drill instructors here and there throughout the three months that i was there but nothing you you they 
And what was that like to be in a military environment with all women? Um, you learn really quick that women are a lot dirtier than boys. <laughs> dirtier. And stinkier. <laughs> dirtier in what way? Like dirtier? Um, just, I want to say like less hygienic. Um, it was weird. Like they're just stinkier, I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like normal camping for you? No. <laughs> what was the hardest thing about Crucible? Um, probably just like the fatigue and the sand fleas. Like it was at the end of boot camp and I was lucky enough where I wasn't in Paris Island for the summertime where the sand fleas and the humidity was too bad, but we were in April. So it was starting to get hot and humid and the bugs were coming out and it was just by the time you're tired and you're just over it, you're just sick of the bugs and you're sick of everybody around you and you want to eat and take a shower. (laughs) Was there any point that you thought, what did I get myself into? No, no. Why? I don't know. I just, it was a fun challenge and I never, I, I kind of flew under the radar for all of boot camp. I think I was only singled out for one thing that I got in trouble for and that was it. So you, were you a good student then or just adept at staying? I was an average student and I stayed quiet. <laughs> stayed in the middle of the pack. I did. I was right in the middle. I didn't get noticed. Yeah. Um, and so when you're in, when you're doing that, are you, is it becoming clearer to you what you want to do with that training or what you think it might lead to? No, no. I was just kind of there and going through the motions and just kind of being a chameleon to blend in and do my thing. And what was most surprising for you about that experience? Being around, I mean, I'm being from Utah, especially, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't a lot of diversity in Salt Lake City. So being able to be around all of the different cultures, like that was fun. Like, I finally got to see real diversity and learn and gain the friendships and the sisterhoods. And now we've created this group, my platoon from boot camp, you know, 21 years later, and we're all still talking and friends. So Mm -hmm. just that sisterhood. Um, and did you, was it your plan or your hope that you would get to be in combat? No, I didn't even realize. I mean, I went in in 98, mm-hmm. so you don't even think like, oh, hey, in two and a half, three years, we're going to be at war. <laughs> you yeah. think that you're just going to go and be on a base forever and be done. Build roads and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> provide security. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what you think. Um, and did you think you were going to get, you didn't want to go to college or did you think you would eventually get to the point where you would I just don't think I had the discipline or you know like I just wasn't really happy in high school and I don't have the discipline or the mindset to just go through and I didn't want to do all the essays you don't want to write no I'm a terrible writer that's the best part <laughs> I'm like the worst like they'd be like write a parent write a letter home to your parents I'm like uh hi <laughs> remember me <laughs> yeah I'll be out soon um and so what was it like uh your first visit home it was interesting. I mean, you get treated different. They told me, um, like my family told me that I walked differently. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, it's just, you, they said that you just, you know, because you have the posture now and you're not skulking through everything. <laughs> you're not trying to blend in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, my, uh, when my nephew finished uh, uh, the basic for Air Force, um, we talked a lot about sort of how, how mentally how he had changed how how was it for you? I mean, did you feel differently emotionally or mentally? I mean, did you feel more purposeful? Um, probably more purposeful. Uh, I spent so long, I don't even, I just kind of feel, I don't know, I was neutral, maybe. Yeah. Glad to be done. Yeah. Ready to move on to the next yeah. thing. Okay. Um, so what was your first assignment? So 
I went through boot camp and then graduated boot camp and then got sent back to North Carolina for MCT, which is Marine Combat Training. And then that's two weeks of different firing of all the different weapon systems, and they assigned you your job in there. And then from there you go to um, your MOS school, and that's in 29 Palms, California, which is the armpit of California. And um, so there I was there for the whole summer. That was miserable, Um, you know, over 110 degrees. Our barracks didn't have air conditioning. It broke. So that was a nightmare, but it was fine. We were there extra long because they merged our our fields together. So we were in limbo for, you know, about three weeks before they picked us up into a class. So a lot of time in the desert. Yeah. And are you still with an all-women's unit? No. By then you're integrated. Um, They kind of start integrating you in um, MCT. You still, you know, obviously stay in separate quarters, but like during the trainings and stuff, you're with the men again. Okay. And was that, did you like that? Was it? It was nice. It was cool to see like, you know, how they went through and what they did. And obviously it was a lot different than, you know, how, not necessarily how we were treated, but just different in general, like different experiences. Did you ever feel um, out of place being in the Marine Corps as a woman? No, no, I was lucky. Um, most of my units, and I think because I, the type of job I was in, most of the units I had, were, there were quite a few females. Um, so you never felt, um, unwanted or like you shouldn't be there? No, mm-mm. no, it was, I never felt like this is the old boys club and you're not welcome. I've always been, um, in units where they're very, they were very accepting from all ranks. And did they ever talk to you about things that you, or did you feel that you brought something different to the table being a woman and a Marine or? Only when they were switching from, like, the old connections, all the old Cat 5 cablings in the houses, it was more of the, you're small, so you get to go in the crawl spaces and the attics. And so that was the only thing where I ever was treated differently is, you're small, go up there. Not really gender. Yeah. Just a usefulness thing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Did you like that, though, that it wasn't really something that stood out? Yeah, I mean, nothing really, just other than just size-wise, and I was able to fit in smaller spaces, but... Mm-hmm. I didn't ever feel. So when you're, um, try, you know, with this new unit trying to figure out your place in it, um, 9-11, that's when 9-11 happens. Yes. Where were you? What was sort of your? Um, it was funny because my, my car had been broken into and so my radio was stolen. And so I was driving to work silent, you know, talking to myself probably like I did every day because I didn't have any other entertainment. And um God, it took forever to get on base that day, and I was getting grouchier and grouchier. And so finally I get up to the gate, and I was, like, yelling at the MPs. And I'm like, do you know how backed up you have the freeway? And they're like, do you know what happened? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, turn on your radio. I'm like, I don't have one. <laughs> so we got to, I got to work, and we turned on the TV, and we just sat and watched, you know, the towers go down. And So but when you got to work, they'd just been hit. Yeah, they had the first one had just been hit, and we actually watched the second one by the time I got there. And did, what did you think? It was just kind of like surreal. It was just like, is this happening? Like, you don't think like, well, we're about to go to war. Like, you're just kind of like watching these buildings fall. Yeah, I mean, I I remember thinking, was it an accident? Did the yeah. pilot not know where they were going? You know, so yeah. I didn't know it would be intentional. So you get you watch the towers fall, and but you don't have a sense that, oh, we're going to go to war. No, no. And even just, you know, later that same year, that's when we started doing um, my unit. We were sending black ops to Afghanistan already by then. 
and doing like weird missions and stuff um, that I don't even, I didn't go, but my friends were, my male friends were going over there and I don't even, to this day, I have no idea what they were doing over there. I just know that even before we were actually sent to Kuwait and Baghdad and all that, they were already flying to Afghanistan and stuff. So did you start to get worried? Did it start to change for you as you say, okay, now we're going to have a war on terror? It's funny because it, it changed, but it 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 didn't change. Like I was in a unit where we weren't really like a ground unit. I was in an air wing. So when it changed for us and we were deploying, it wasn't like field ops and stuff. It was just kind of like more busy work. So I don't know. It just felt like more busy work. I was just that Lance Corporal just doing my thing and fumbling through life. Were you still, were you still glad you were in the military? Yeah, yeah. I never, I've, I don't think I've ever regretted being in the military. Like it's, it, it was definitely experience. I wish I would have tried to be able to fight through to stay and retire. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I got injured and got out six years early. Where if I would have fought and had them medically retire me instead of just thinking I could do it on my own and handle the disability that side of it, I wish I would have stayed that extra couple years to retire out. I think this is a great time to take a break and hear from the businesses that are making this podcast possible. If you support us and what we are doing, please support them. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. So what did happen with your back? It's weird. I have no idea. Overuse, I guess. Um, I woke up one morning and I was like, dang, I feel like I slept wrong and it never went away. And so I just kind of fought with medical to get them to let me have the MRIs and the CAT scans. And so I have like arthritis and um, degeneration on the same discs that causes them to bulge and hit my sciatica. So Mm. So super painful. Yeah. It can be. (laughs) And how old were you when you started having those symptoms? Oh, gosh. Um, It's been since 2010. Okay. So, and so did you, did you think at any point this is going to end my career or did you? No, I didn't. It's funny. Like it got to the point where like I could only do, so by then in, um, 2010, 2011, we had two separate physical fitness type tests. We had the CFT, which is the combat side and the PFT, which is just like the physical fitness. And weirdly enough, the combat side of it was easier for me to do because it didn't have anything to do with crunches or sit-ups um, which is what bothered my back the most. So that one, I always passed flying colors and you're doing dummy drags and fireman carries, but it didn't bother me because I was all leg power. Um, the sit-ups and the crunches on the physical side, I just, I couldn't do anymore. Hmm. So. And so at what point did you think, oh, okay, I have to be done? Um, after about a year and a half of it not getting better and they did nerve blocks and injections and just nothing was working, I just figured I'll just get out at the end of my enlistment and try to fight the VA and now I regret it. <laughs> do you wish that you had stayed in to retire out of the military or do you think you, you or wish medically you retire? I wish I would have. Cause I just, in my brain, I was like, I didn't want to fight through trying to go through all the limited duty boards and try to get the medical retirement that way. Cause it can drone on for a couple, three years. And 
I was like, well, by then I might as well just try to stay the last two or three. And so I just thought, I'll just get out. I'll just handle it myself and do it on my own. What were some of the favorite assignments you had as a Marine? Um, I don't know if I really had any favorite. I was, I tried to fly under radar for everything. (laughs) Um, I ended up doing, um, I handled all of like the equal opportunity stuff and the, um, the suicide prevention side of it because it was starting to finally, you know, the war and everything was affecting military. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think being able to remind, you know, all of the Marines, like it isn't a stigma if you go and get help and it isn't, you know, it's not a worry, like go do it. Like don't, you know, don't end up harming yourself. Yeah. So was that, um, what, what was that job like? It seems to me that would be sort of a I sad... always kind of took on a mom role. I had my daughter early in my military career, so I kind of mothered everybody. And so it was always interesting, like, you know, the junior Marines would come to me and it was kind of like a mother or son, mother-daughter thing or like a little brother thing. And um, probably one of my favorite ones that was like a little kid to me used to crack me up, but he ended up after I got out a year after he ended up hanging himself. So it's kind of a bummer. You know, we all kind of feel like we failed him, but you, if somebody has it in their mind, it just, it happens. Do you have any insight at this point about what might be more helpful um, as a person who was in and, and sort of worked on that problem? I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, when you get demons so bad that, I don't, you know, talking to anybody doesn't help. When you got out, did you feel um, that loss of community and separation that? When I first got out, um, not really. I ended up going into corrections, so I still kind of had the brotherhood of, like, that weird connection because we were all military as well. Um, So I've always kind of maintained um, groups. So when I finished corrections and moved to Utah, that's when I found RWB. And so I still got my camaraderie fix, if you will. Yeah, you've done something. Yeah. You you enjoyed that. I've been able to find my little groups that understand. Um. Uh, how old were you when you had your daughter? 20. Okay. So like a couple years in? Yeah, I was two years in. Two years in. Um, was that difficult? It was very hard. I was a single mom and it was just, um, I ended up sending her home to my family here in Utah and they raised her for eight years and I only saw her on holidays and birthdays and stuff. I would come home. Just, I felt bad. Like I was in another state with this little girl by myself and she was in daycare 12, 13 hours a day. And I was just like, this is no life for her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So I sent her home and my family was kind enough to be able to, between a couple, my, you know, my sister and my brother and my mom, they all kind of shared her. So. And was that difficult for you though? I mean, did you ever think, oh, I need it to- kind of was at first, but like, I, I almost feel like I sent her home so young that like, I didn't have that connection. So, you know, I just, it sucked and I went on. <laughs> and then uh, at you said about seven or eight years, uh, did she come to live with you or did you come back? Yeah, what? she came to live with me when she was nine. Um, I had sent her home permanently when she was about one and a half or two. So when she was nine, she moved back out to California because it was just kind of easier for her to have a sleepover if I had duty or so. And what was that like to have a, a suddenly nine-year-old? Have suddenly a nine-year-old? Um, it was a lot, of, uh, a lot of her hormones and emotions. <laughs> So it was weird because it had been so long that it was like I felt like still kind of like the cool aunt instead of the mom. So having to like find my own place as a mother now after eight years mm-hmm. of not doing it, you know, I had to figure out the discipline and everything of it. 
Did she ever uh, resent you for? I think so. Choosing I think the military? so. Yeah, she. Um, in a couple fights when she was younger, you know, she she would say, you know, you know, you weren't even parent to me, so don't even think that you're going to parent this or so. Because yeah. she felt like she, she you chose the military yeah. first. Yeah. And um, did you feel guilty about that, or did you? How did how did you deal with it? I did, but I, you know, all I could tell her is just I did what I thought was best for you. In the fact that you know you would have no life, you'd always be in daycare if you stayed with me, and you'd be moving constantly, and mm-hmm. you know. So I figured if I could just keep you with family and a stable home environment. <laughs> did your experience have any impact on whether or not you think women should should be in the military, like or? Initially, I kind of did. When I first got pregnant, I uh, I kind of thought I wanted to get out so that I could be a mom and, and raise her and kind of handle it that way. But I'm glad I didn't. I mean, I'm, I feel bad. I feel like I kind of sacrificed her childhood and me being a mom. But I'm glad I didn't, you know, try to get myself out of the Marine Corps because I was pregnant. And why why is that? What did you What did you get from that experience? Um, I feel like I learned a lot. I feel like, you know, aside, I mean, other than all the schooling and everything that I was put through, I feel like I just gained all these life experiences that a lot of people kind of miss out on. Um, I think she now knows that it's made her kind of a stronger person because she's very independent. You know, she's 20 now and does things on her own. And when she graduated high school, the day she graduated, she went and bought her own car with her own money. And so I think it's just kind of, She's been through some stuff and crap, and she figured it out, and she's learned how to kind of be her own independent creature, and so. And so that 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 makes you feel good about the road you've traveled. Kind of. I mean, like, you, you yeah. still have the, you know, I wish I would have kind of done it differently situation, but I know that, you know, your own experiences and your own roads kind of send you where you are. Mm-hmm. And um, what is she doing now? So she is a supervisor at UPS. Do you think you would ever advise her to join the military? I actually wanted her to. She wanted to for a while. Um, For her ninth and 10th grade year in high school, she was in ROTC. And she kind of hit all her goals through that. She became a captain and a platoon commander. And then she was just like, I don't want to do it anymore. And just stopped doing ROTC. But she did drill and won competitions and did really well for a while. So So you thought she was going to follow that I thought for sure she would. (laughs) Yeah. And then she changed her mind. And why would you say to a young person, especially a young woman, this, the military is a good choice for you? Um, I feel like if they, if, like how I was, if you don't have direction, you don't want to go to college right away or at all, um, at least it gives you um, technical training. And, you know, you know, I have thousands of dollars of certificates, you know, and, and letters behind my name that I can use if I wanted to on the computer fields. I just don't because I don't like computers. <laughs> but... It's a good way to go if you feel like you don't have any direction. And is there something about military service that's unique, that make more unique, I guess, or, or different than just going to, like, getting technical training on your own? I think because of the leadership side of it. Like, I feel like it grooms you a little bit more to do, like, a supervisory or a management position, you know, because even as a Lance Corporal, brand new in the Marine Corps, you're still going to have one or two people underneath you. And you're in law enforcement still. You're a dispatcher. Yes. Um, do you ever think you want to pick something that's not so... <laughs> not so stressful. <laughs> <and> stressful, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I, I'm only going to have two hairs left at, at the end of my career, but um, I like my job. I like what I do. How long have you been in uh, Almost five years. 
Okay. And how did you find your way to that? My sister actually, um, right after I started in dispatch, she retired after 30 years of dispatch. Okay. So... And did you, that's sort of one of the things that you were initially introduced to in the military, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was supposed to. (laughs) So sort of come around full circle, Exactly. What is it about being a dispatcher that you enjoy? Um, Weird. I'm kind of like an adrenaline junkie now. (laughs) So I like the big, high, fast calls. Um, I don't like the droning of, you know, being traffic stopped to death when the officers are bored, but... When we have, like, shootings and stuff, like, it makes it fun because it's it's exciting. And it requires something of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you have to think you, through that stuff. Super quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and if uh, if you had to say one of the most – give me a one negative, one positive about military service for you. Positive, definitely the friendships and, and the family that you make along the way. Um, the negative is probably – the weird disassociation of like emotion that you have with a lot of things just because it kind of shuts you down. Have you had to figure that out and reconnect or does dispatching just exacerbate that? For I think it, I think it just makes it worse. It really does. It's just kind of those, like you feel kind of emotionless and, and then like something random can happen. Like you could spill your coffee and you just like completely fall apart. <laughs> and it's really from two days ago yeah. when you were talking to someone through CPR, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you or any veteran you know is feeling self-destructive or suicidal, please don't hesitate to use the Veterans Crisis Line by either calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1 or by texting 838-255 or by visiting www.veteranscrisisline.net. This 24-7 confidential service is for all veterans, all service members, the National Guard and Reserve, their family members, and their friends. Join us again for the next episode of We Happy Few. If you have comments about the show, please contact us by email at tips at loudmouthproject.com or on Twitter at loudmouthjason. Check out our website at loudmouthproject.com and navigate to the We Happy Few page. You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcast, iTunes, and other places where you find interesting shows. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps grow our audience. We would like to thank our producer and editor, Josh Tilton, and our creative director, Amy Donaldson, for adding the spit and polish to our show. I'm Jason Comstock, and until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and stay engaged. We Happy Few is a production of The Loudmouth Project.